0: Welcome to the Seek Go Create podcast. I'm Tim Winders, your host. I'm also a coach for business owners, executives, and leaders. And my wife and I consider ourselves nomads, and we currently travel, live, and work in our 39-foot RV. Today we have Evan Knox on the podcast. Evan is the founder of Caffeine Marketing and Caffeine Labs. Caffeine Marketing makes profitable marketing easy for small companies. Caffeine Labs is the education arm of the caffeine family. That's a lot of caffeines in that intro there of the caffeine family. I'm feeling jacked up already. He gives entrepreneurs the exact blueprint to run in order to grow the company they've been dreaming of. Welcome, Evan. My first question is usually the same. We heard your bio. It's, they're always awesome. Everybody's bio is awesome. But I like to ask people, elevator pitch. What do you really do? We're, we're on an elevator together. Share with us. What do you do?
1: Yeah, that's great. Tim, thanks for having me. Um, most entrepreneurs and business centers just throw money onto the wall, hoping something will stick. At Caffeine Marketing, we create marketing that's actually profitable for these small companies so that they can have the business they've really been wanting and dreaming of.
0: Yeah, that's good. And I appreciate it. Sometimes I ask people for an elevator pitch and like, Seven minutes later, we're still talking. I'm going, man. I don't yeah, know you're like, I'm gone. Than- <laughs> I'm
1: already off the elevator. <laughs>
0: I know. I love marketing guys. They could hopefully get to the point. All right. Now, I've, yeah. I've done some research on you the last few days. Great. We were kind of connected, you know, online, socially. So, mm-hmm. don't know a lot about each other. But let me tell you, man, I loved finding out about you. You are located in where?
1: Atlanta, Georgia. Atlanta, Georgia. Now that is where I'm from. Oh, no way. That's so fun. Where did you grow? Like, do you grow up there? I
0: was born in Marietta, grew up in okay. Conyers, met my wife from Lawrenceville. I went to Georgia Tech. She went to UGA.
1: Oh, We wow. have that
0: mixed marriage thing going on.
1: Yeah, yeah. House and, divided.
0: Uh, yeah, sort of. Not really. Actually, we kind of don't <laughs> really care about
1: that stuff. But uh, Yeah, yeah.
0: Anyway, so so, have are you always from Atlanta? Have you been in Atlanta all your life?
1: Yeah, yeah, great question. So I grew up in the Atlanta area, um, north of Atlanta. We call it the Atlanta metro area or whatever, um, in a place uh, called Forsyth County, Suwannee, Georgia, um, northern suburbs. And I grew up there pretty much my whole life. My dad owned a jewelry store. Or not owned, my grandfather owned a jewelry store. My dad also worked in the same area in the uh, B2B space that my grandfather was in uh, inside Atlanta. So I grew up going inside Atlanta around Atlanta, um, all the time. But when I left high school, I decided to go to Australia and I lived in Australia for a little bit and then Thailand and then eventually out to Colorado for about three years and then Charlotte and now back to Atlanta.
0: Oh, wow. How long were you in Australia? How long did
1: you say you were there? Oh, a couple months, um, with an organization called YWAM. They basically like, it's like you get to kind of be a missionary for a couple months at a time without having to go out there
0: for years. Yeah, I saw. I think I saw that on your uh, on your profile about that. I'm going to ask you some about that because I believe that marketing goes across a wide spectrum of life, and yeah. I believe it's part of. We have a lot of our listeners that are in the ministry space and oh, missions, great. and so and so. I'm actually going to ask you some questions you may not have heard if it's been on a business podcast. So anyway, that's 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 excellent. Glory and I, we actually lived in Australia, New Zealand for about nine months
1: ourselves. Oh, nice! That's really and, cool. What area? Yeah, we were in Brisbane,
0: and then we jumped over to New Zealand. We were on the South Island, and then we came back okay. to Sydney, and then Melbourne. So, anyway, so it, it was oh, really cool. cool. We enjoyed it there. So, anyway, all right. Now, before we go much farther, we I, I believe what we're going to do is I want to kind of dig into some of your background and how you came to be who you are today. I think that's an yeah. important story, struggles, victories, and education, things like that. Mm. And, and then I want us to get into some really, really good training for people in, in their own business, entrepreneurs, leaders, mm. also ministers uh, in yeah. the marketing in the marketing arena. But the first thing I want to ask you before I get into your background is caffeine marketing. I said it, I don't know how many times during your bio. Where did that name come from? I mean, I could guess, but give us a little more background
1: yeah so entrepreneurs uh, as you can imagine are really dear and near to my heart uh and as one i you know notice was like man we are always drinking coffee like it's just a part of the culture part of the hustle um the whole hustle thing to me feels a little cliche like i feel like you should work smarter not harder all the time but there's still some caffeine involved so I, one day I had a previous name that was using a similar naming structure uh, with like my last name in it. And I was like, this is not about that. It's I don't love having a company with my own name in it. Um, and so I was drinking coffee. And after about three months of trying to come up with something, I was like, oh, this is it. This is perfect. Yeah.
0: And, and you know, I've always said one of the coolest cultures, this is kind of an interesting story. I didn't start drinking coffee until okay. I was about 48 years old. Oh, Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I know I don't look like I'm 48. I'm actually about (laughs) eight years older than that. So like last year? Yeah, I was like, uh, no, I'm thinking about it in the future now. So, (laughs) yeah, but um, but one of the things that's just amazing to me is the culture that's been created around coffee. I don't want to get off track, Mm -hmm. but, you know, the, you know, coffee shops, you know, the startup world, you know, entrepreneur Mm -hmm. space. And it seems like that might have fed into some of your naming strategies.
1: Yeah, there's uh, one of my clients. Uh, at one point, he's uh, he just he actually got into marketing after we worked together. He was like, "This is so much fun! Like, I want to do this." And I was like, "All right, sure." Um, That's how I kind of went about it. But uh, yeah, I mean, i always worked with, you know, small business owners, entrepreneurs. But then I got to work with this actual coffee company. Like, they roasted coffee, uh, and I just thought it was super interesting. Like, there's it's kind of a hard niche to be honest. Like, I thought about like you know going into like either acquiring an existing coffee shop, but Um, yeah, a lot of hustle has to be involved for those guys, like roasting stuff in the middle of the night, not, not fun for me.
0: Not, not want to do that. You know, I, I think there's also, this is a word I use a lot being a coach and working with organizations myself. I think caffeine to me speaks of the word energy. Yeah. You know, and, and, and I'm, and I think marketing brings energy to organizations. Don't you agree?
1: I do, and the I couldn't get quite behind it. I felt like it was too cheesy. But the agenda, the first idea was we fuel, uh, we feel growth. You know, uh, it's like yeah, yeah, a little cliche, so I couldn't do it. I just couldn't commit to it. But yeah, we fuel growth. So that's the caffeine was the original caffeine motto. Uh, you so, know, yeah, I, I definitely is an energy transfer for sure.
0: I, I do kind of like that. That's good. So now one. One other thing, uh, I'm going to kind of ask you some general questions about marketing and all, and then get into things. On your site, and we're going to link to where people can get in touch with you and all, and we'll talk about, you know, what you maybe can offer people towards the end of the podcast episode. Yeah. But you list a bunch of services. I mean, I'm going to just rattle off a few. Facebook marketing, influencer marketing, we could... Kind of talk about that word influencer there. Are yep. Times in my age bracket that that word really irritates me. I understand it. But anyway, digital yeah. marketing, strategy, consulting, coaching.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: What's your main thing? What's your bread and butter? Is there any of that? Is it all of that? Is it a shotgun approach, rifle approach? Tell me a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, I'd say we're unique in that we try to have, we try to create marketing strategy that is profitable for companies. And I say that not as a cliche thing, like that we just aspire to, but uh, there are people that we will work with or not work with, but like our, you know, potential clients uh, multiple times throughout the year that will say, hey, honestly, we're not a good fit. I, I don't think that we should work together because whatever we do for you, I don't see how this is going to be profitable. Um, either their business model is not there or, you know, our services are going to be too expensive for their product margin whichever. So we're unique in that approach that we will only work with people that I'm like confident that this is going to be profitable for, and they're going to see a great return on investment. Now the actual like hand-to-hand combat of like what we're known for uh, is the marketing strategy first. And so actually creating the marketing strategy that's profitable. And then second would probably be creating a sales funnel through a website, lead generator, PDF, and then email series. And then lastly is that top of the funnel advertising with Facebook ads, YouTube ads, et cetera.
0: Yeah. And that's good. I, I, I love that you lead with strategy because, and I'm sure you have this often. I have people come to me all the time and mm. say, I had somebody recently say, Hey, I, I, I want to start a podcast. I mm. guess I'm in the podcast space now. So people think, Oh, I want to start a podcast. And my answer is let's have a conversation because to me, podcasting is a tool. It's a mm-hmm. marketing tool or an information tool, yeah. and we need to discuss strategy first. So uh, I, I love that. So it looks like you you can bring people in, and then you can go all type of directions. Correct?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I I want to really not you know speak poorly of the miscellaneous individuals out there, but there are a lot of agencies um, that. They just offer, I and mean, they have this their product or their packages, and you can get package A, B, or C. Um, and they just want to sell that service because that's just what they do. Um, but they're not always looking at the best interest of the client. And so I made a pivot when I very first started Caffeine. We very much specialized in social media marketing. And then very quickly, I was like, oh, wow, if we're just creating content for people, that's probably not going to help them grow their company that, like that well. And then drilling down to the bottom, what are these business owners or, you know, CMOs or marketing directors, what do they want? They actually want to drive a return on investment for them, like a really high one. So how do we do that for them? And that's how we pivoted to start first with strategy and making marketing profitable for these companies.
0: Yeah, that's good. You know, gosh, there's so many directions. I've got so many questions with someone who's got the experience and brain power that you have. The first thing I think I want to do, though, for the listener, for the one listening that the word marketing is thrown around quite a bit yeah I I believe it's misunderstood by many people Mm -hmm. can you maybe just give us a a definition of marketing marketing 101 what is it you know especially social media and all I think is confused confused it for many people
1: just educate us what is
0: marketing why is it important
1: Marketing, quite simply, is three phases that you're walking a potential customer through in order for them to do business with you or to achieve some goal in, you know, your ministry or organization or whichever. The first one is brand awareness. So the first stage in marketing is that people actually become aware of your brand. The second one is consideration. And so now we're asking people to consider, hey, will you work with us? And we're educating them on how we're actually going to make their lives better. And the third one is conversion. And so the goal in marketing is to just walk people down these three, like down through this funnel from brand awareness to consideration to conversion. Ultimately conversion being the um, work with you, become a client or a customer or donate, whatever, attend on a Sunday, whatever that may be. But marketing is simply the process of moving people from brand awareness to consideration to actually finally working with you. So most people have a Brand awareness problem, which is people aren't even aware that their business or organization exists. So they will never have anyone do business with them because they'll never even know who they are. And some people don't have the right sales funnels or follow-up sequences or ways to educate their customer how they're going to make their lives better. Like that sales funnel we were mentioning earlier, that's the brand um, awareness consideration phase. And then lastly, the commitment is like, what systems and processes do you have to make it really easy for people to want to work with you? And how do they actually do that?
0: Okay, good. You you listed something that that I loved. I've never talked to someone that has gone through the uh the Donald Miller story brand certification. Yeah. And I love that. I I, I read that and I said, Oh my gosh, we can almost have a whole episode on conversing about that. Totally. Um and again, I, wanna, I want us to get into some tips for people that are running like Joe's Plumbing Service or, you mm-hmm. know, ABC Church or, or whatever at the end of the episode. But can right. you at least tell us now, what is that story brand? I'm going to let you give a little bit of background and how it's come to be and, and what it is that is the certification
1: yeah, totally. So Story Brand is now a like subpart of a bigger company called Business Made Simple. But Story Brand was originally created by this guy named Donald Miller. Donald Miller is a best-selling author who had been in the business space before, then he became an author. And then eventually he came back to the business space and used a seven, he created a seven-part story framework that invites customers into a story instead of making your business the hero, your business is the guide. Uh, and so it, it creates the seven parts of a messaging framework that we use to actually create our clients' messaging and all the marketing that we're creating, if that makes sense. So a certification with them is we are certified as a guide to cr- use that framework in order to create our uh, marketing for our clients. So um, you could learn the framework. We can't necessarily teach. Like I don't run seminars on how to understand the story brand framework. That's what they do. They actually teach the framework, but we actually execute it because often businesses are so close to their own company it is so hard to articulate uh what they do how it makes people's lives better and then it's even harder to actually execute on the sales funnels the websites because they've got the whirlwind uh chris mcchesney and his like 40x is like it's a principle of like we're just caught up in the day-to-day there's like there's always the next day uh there's always that sales meeting whatever and so they it's really easy um to get caught up in that and not do the things that are ultimately going to grow your company like that new website or creating a sales or marketing funnel.
0: Yeah, but in general, the story brand, Hero's Journey and, mm-hmm. you know, tell us what that is. I mean, I was first introduced to Donald Miller. You know, I read Blue Light Jazz, yeah. which was the most interesting, odd, quirky book. I really <laughs> enjoyed it. As And as someone who's just finished my first novel, I was. I don't think I attempted to duplicate that, but it was just fascinating. And right. then all of a sudden, before I knew it, I see you know the whole story brand movement. So, explain to folks in just a few minutes what it means. What is that whole concept of story brand?
1: Right. So, um, I would encourage you, if you really want to learn more than what I want to share with you, to check out StoryBrand.com and Business Made Simple University. But I'm just going to give you the you know a couple of the the seven points. And the first one is identifying what the hero wants. So uh, when you're creating your marketing messaging, you are looking at, okay, what is our customer or our target customer? What is the thing that they actually want? Just plain and simple. How would they say it if they were a fifth grader? Uh, Do they want a a laptop that that works? You know, do they want a car that's clean? They want a reliable car? You know, like whatever is the very basics of what you offer, what is it that? And so you have, or what's the core desire of the customer? And then you define the problem. And so the problem's broken down first off into what's the external problem? And so what is the thing that's getting in the way of your customer getting what they want? Uh, What's the internal problem? So how does that make them feel? So uh, I don't know why we just want this car example, but say they want a reliable car. Um, But the problem is, is that they... all, most cars don't have quality parts and they fall apart quickly after the warranty runs out and that leaves them feeling frustrated. So that's the internal problem. And then philosophical is when you align yourself with a customer and you say, Hey, that's just wrong. So we believe that, uh, cars shouldn't fall apart and break down on you. And so now you've basically said, Hey, there's the three problems. The in the external, uh, the internal, which is how does the external problem make them feel? And then what's just plain wrong about what they're experiencing. And then kind of to skip over some of the other stuff, we would then go into uh, establishing yourself as the guide. So as a story brand guide, you know, I'm a guide. <laughs> but the guide, the part of the guide uh, role in the framework is you are no longer the hero of the story. You are there to serve a role for your customers. And most customers, 99% of them, are not looking for another hero in the story. They are looking for someone to help them get what they want. And so you are there to position yourself as the Yoda um, to Anakin or Luke Skywalker, hopefully not Anakin, but um, or the uh, Hamish, yeah, uh, for Katniss Everdeen. You know, you are there to help the hero get what they want, go to their final journey, uh, and then there's some calls to action in there. But ultimately, you're going to paint a picture of success and failure for your customer. Um, okay, what does it look like to do business with you? Like, what is the positive result of that? It is you know, so if you work with caffeine, your company's going to grow. You're going to have marketing that actually works. Um, you're going to you know, have peace of mind in your business because you know it's going to scale uh, and you're going to have the company of your dreams. So all four positive things of working with my company. The negatives is that you're going to waste a lot of money on marketing. You're going to have a, like, a, a headache. You're going to wake up at late at night because you're not sure if it's going to work or not. And you just put all this money into it. So what I'm doing there is I'm painting a picture of success and failure. Success and what it looks like to work with our company and failure um, and what's at risk. And so we don't want everyone to like fear mongle anyone, but we just want to let them know what are the stakes here of not doing business with us. So in a nutshell, that's uh, some of the parts of the seven part framework of story brand.
0: Yeah, that's good. I think that'll help people that may not be aware of that. And again, we're going to, we're going to circle back towards the tail end of the episode and go over some more tips and some, some things for the person that owns a small business or a business and we'll let them know how they can get in touch with you. But a few things that were very intriguing as I was I was researching you. I usually spend <laughs> about 60 to 90 minutes researching guests and mm-hmm. I'm looking through things and I snoop around. I actually I actually kind of go a little bit beyond what people's PR sheets usually. I jump on their LinkedIn sure. and I saw something about Bowman fly fishing on on somewhere you had yeah, listed yeah. out. What is your role with Bowman fly fishing?
1: Golly. All right. So here's a disclaimer. I am not a great fly fisherman. Um, oh no. A, I'm, <laughs> spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah. Spoiler alert. I am not great at fly fishing. Um, I would say, you know, the wilderness scenario, you give me a fly rod, I'm going to catch some fish. I'm, if it's a big fish, it's probably not happening um, and I'm not catching as many as most people. So but I'm above average, but not definitely a guide by any means. So I came into this partnership relationship with, uh, he was a mutual friend of somebody else. Um, he had started this guide business and he was struggling to grow it. And truth be told, uh, I really wanted to do a lot of work with him. Uh, I knew I could help him. And and his service is incredible. I'd gone out with him a few times. Uh, he's a great guy. He's, he's a Christian guy. That's something we both share. Um, and so we kind of hit it off. And so... Ultimately, I was like, hey, I really want to help you grow your company here. Um, can we work out a partnership? And so, ultimately, uh, we did. And so, we became uh, partners in the business. Uh, I do all of the marketing operations, and he does all the the guide stuff. So, I mean, it's a big old catch-all term there. Or uh, probably, at least the, this last year, we're the number two uh, coming up on very, very close. We're probably this next year going to be the number one guide service um, in Georgia uh, for fly fishing. And so, man, we're – I'm just – so thankful to have that relationship. It's really been great because he texted me a few uh, months ago and he says, "Hey, on this month um, is but the fifth So he texts me on the fifth. He goes, "Hey, so on this month last year, he goes, uh, up to this point, okay, let me rephrase. So it was on the fifth and he texts me and he goes, "Hey, we've already done four times what I did this month last year." So by the fifth of that month, we had already done four times what he had done previously last year. Uh, so that was my first experience with partnership. Now I've got some other partnership go- stuff going on right now, but um, yeah, so I've served as the CMO or whatever you want to call me for that.
0: So that brings up a good point. You know, there are some people that believe that a marketing person has to be extremely knowledgeable, knowledgeable about the product Mm-hmm. And you admitted right out of the gate, you would not be considered an expert fly fisherman. Mm-hmm. I'm not either. I've got a good friend that his, his wife is, and he goes and sits on the shore while she does it. That's and, amazing. And she tells him to stop talking because he's having conversation. He goes Shh. She goes, I could, I could bring a dog here, and you're talking too much. Anyway, that's a whole other story. Mm-hmm. But, but so you're not an expert. But yet you have 4X, you have, you have helped grow this company yeah. 4X. So, so you don't have to be an expert?
1: So here's what I would uh, propose. I think a person who only knows B2C, and by B2C I mean business to consumer, if that's just only what they know, they're going to really struggle to do B2B. Um, the systems and processes that you set up for marketing for B2B and B2C are different. Um, but if you have experience in the B2B space, uh, and if you have experience in the B2B service space, it's really transferable across pretty much every other service um, industry, the business to consumer industry. And so I over the course of the years, I've developed uh, experience in the B2B space selling directly to consumers, um, both products and services, and then as well as the B2B space, Uh, Either selling SaaS products or um, actual services for uh, other businesses. But I would venture to say, no, I think you're at a unique advantage if you don't know something about the product. And I feel like that's where I'm able to come in and help companies clarify their message because I know a little bit to be dangerous, but I'm not, I don't have the curse of knowledge like they do. Like I can still speak like a normal human being about their product. Uh, My test often is I will, if I'm working on something, like there's this uh, venture capital group they're like telecom communication, something way above my head. Uh, and I tried to like simplify the messaging. And my test was if my wife can understand it, who hates business, like she's just like, keep me out. Of, I don't want to know anything. Like I have a proofread of my stuff. I'm like, did you like read it? She's like, I didn't understand any of that. That's a good filter. So if a you know person who's not interested in it can't understand it, uh, then we're better off. So all that to be said, I think that if you have someone who comes in as a third party, who's not just like deeply, uh, knowledgeable of your product i think you're you're better served that way
0: yeah yeah that's good one of the things that you you do talk about on some of the platforms you're on is you talk about your father your grandfather you you obviously have strong family connections and mm-hmm. and tell us just briefly a, a, about them and then i've got a follow up question because i'm always intrigued by how people become who they are. so yeah. tell us a little bit about your father and grandfather because I, I do think that those legacies have impact uh, in
1: many ways. right. Um, I agree. So that would be it would take forever to tell you about just the two of them themselves. Uh, they are they so my my dad is no longer with us. Um, I'll, I can kind of hit on that, but uh, both, are or were uh, just bigger than life characters. Uh, My grandfather is uh, 86 or more or something like that. Uh, And I think he he just retired this year and he still works one day a week in his his shop. Um, But him and my dad were always the biggest people, um, you know, like uh, very winsome, very likable, uh, very high network, like just networked with everybody. Um, So you have these very winsome, influential people. Uh, that I grew up in my life when I just like, I acquired some of that skill. I know I look at my uh, my dad and my grandfather, I'm like, I am not as like outgoing as y'all, but I'm like marginally, but not compared to y'all. So I look at them uh, and my grandfather was, you know, started this company that he was, a, started a jewelry company uh, selling diamond rings and gauge rings, all that stuff. Um, and he did that over 50 years ago when entrepreneurialism was not cool. Uh, so I have just the deepest respect for him and, you know, did he do it perfectly? No. And knowing what I know now, I look back and I'm like, man, I could have helped you so much, but I was as a kid, you know. So, not um, not gonna do there. But uh, my dad was also super gifted, one of the most gifted sales like people ever, um, and he loved business. Uh, but ultimately, like he had a struggle with um, drugs when I was going into high school, and ultimately that led him, kind of led to the downfall of of his business. Um, so that was super sad, but. Um yeah, so I mean, just amazing people, entrepreneurship, you know, business owners who grit and hard work is what the thing that got them to the point that they were at to uh, um, be that successful.
0: Sure, One thing that I've noticed, many people gain i don't know if the words confidence, identity, mm. some positive, some negative from their families what are your, you know, you just mentioned, you said some great things, especially grandfather and your father and some skills that you probably have. Mm -hmm. How did they impact your identity and who you are today?
1: It was really a double edged sword, um, both in a good and a bad way. So as an only child, I always felt super loved by my family. Um, I never really doubted that. Uh, Always was very sure of it. My dad was Um, didn't really, not a high, like affection type of person. I don't think he had the perfect blueprint with, uh, you know, my grandfather, but, you know, truth be told, my grandfather had a crappy situation growing up. So, um, he did the best he could. And then my dad did the best he could based off what my grandfather had kind of imparted to him. And so, um, as I look at all of that, I've always felt like, yes, they loved me. They believed in me. They expected great things of me. Um, and I always knew my dad was super proud of me. The part that really started to suck though, to be honest, is that when my dad um, started doing drugs when I was in high school and eventually he got clean. Um, but like, man, that was so hard because I, you know, we lost our home. We lost all our cars. like Everything got foreclosed on. Every single thing got either repossessed, foreclosed on. So um, this lavish lifestyle that I grew up in just gone, you know, it felt like. And I had a lot of my identity just like in that, in being this like kind of um well-off kid and so when that was taken from me and my dad it seemed like was the drugs were more important than me that was really hard for me and so ultimately that was very so i have this like double edged thing where it's like i felt super loved i knew i was like had value and then all of a sudden it feels like the carpet at some point got a got yanked out from under me and i was left to go okay well this adversity can either crush me and i can end up where my dad is at right now Or I'm going to decide to, you know, I'm going to lean into the opposite of that. I'm going to lean into this new faith that I've kind of discovered. And then also, uh, you know, I just don't want to be that when I grow up. And so those two things ultimately just led me to this long journey of becoming, uh, you know, I'm enough just the way I am. I don't have to look to other people for external validation. Um, And I think a lot of that was trial by fire. And I wouldn't wish it again. But I think that there's redemptive qualities in the the hard stuff I've gone through.
0: Yeah, Glory and I, my wife and I kind of mentioned the same thing. I wouldn't wish what we've been through on others, but yet I'm thankful for it because it is part of who we are. You know, you mentioned y'all lost, went through loss. We've had similar stories. What did that do? You know, we're in a very materialistic accumulation oriented society yeah. and marketing is very good at feeding that you know I, like. I work on some of that with clients you do too uh, what did it do as far as your mindset about possessions things stuff and did it was it positive negative I mean what, where are you at now you're married now you've traveled some but um, you know are you are you
1: You know, just what's that mindset like after going through that type of loss? There was definitely a scarcity mindset. I remember, and I'll tell you what, my mom worked really hard. So my mom, uh, she was, uh, how do I tee this up? She was struggling with alcohol abuse. Um, She eventually got clean from that. She got clean before my dad got clean. And so they ended up getting divorced. And my mom worked really hard to try and keep us in the house that we were in for like, I could finish out the year in school of like my junior Mm -hmm. year. And so she works like this awful job that, you know, she tries, she's very like, try to be positive about it. But like, I knew it was killing her. She hated it. Um, And then I remember us going to the dentist and it's my mom tried her very best and was very like uh, self-aware of how she said stuff or whatever. But I feel like I was pretty intuitive. I was like, all right, last there's literally a bank note when I came home one day, like or whatever the pink, the, whatever the notice is foreclosure notice under the door. Um, So I'm perceiving these things. I'm aware of it. Like, Hey, we're kind of struggling right now. And, um, we were at the dentist. I think I was probably 14 or 15 and the dentist is like, Hey, you got a cavity. And my first thought was, I'm so worried if we can pay for that or not. It wasn't like, Oh, I got a cavity. I'm like 14 or 15. Right. And so I'm so worried in that moment because I'm like, I don't know how we're going to pay for it. I don't know how my mom's going to pay for it. I don't know if like, do you feel guilty because you had a cavity? 100%. And I remember her going, okay, well, hey, we're gonna give you some laughing gas or whatever, and we're gonna drill it out. And I said, hey, I, how much does that cost? How much does laughing gas cost? And she's like, uh, I'm gonna go check. She's like, three or three or four hundred. I was like, oh no, no, like just give it to me. And I'm like, I don't, I don't need it. Just drill in there. It's like put some local <laughs> anesthetic in there. And I did this. You were and tough, my mom, You were gonna tough it up, man, for mom, right? I was, and I'm, you know, my, I, I I'm almost speechless around that, right? Because I, I feel I'm very. T- towards like younger me in that moment because um you know mom is here doing best she can and then also there's me uh, developing a scarcity mindset of like oh I don't have enough and so I worked super hard I was always I'd always loved finance and business and even when I was a kid my my mom had gotten me like books per my request of like uh Dave Ramsey stuff when I was like 12 which is like kind of nerdy when I look back at it um but I guess it helped and so I work really hard. I don't have any debt and I go do all this stuff, go to like mission work and whatnot and then I eventually have in Colorado and I meet my wife and my sweet wife has $100,000 in debt between student loan debt and a car debt and that was so hard for me to swallow and I knew that going in, we weren't, it wasn't like surprise. Um, <laughs> she told me uh, before we got married and that was super hard and I, I feel like the scarcity mindset kind of came back out. Like, I I, I don't know if we're have enough, whatever and so, at some point I had to kind of let, let that go to God and release that. And also just be aware that like, Hey, it's, it's, worked out so far. Like, let's be realistic about this. Uh, and so eventually we got to the point where I started caffeine and we were probably about $70,000 in debt at that point still. Um, and we ended up paying the whole thing off within three years of being married. So it's pretty cool how the whole thing worked out. And eventually I kind of, I try to be as self-aware as I possibly can. I mean, within limits, and definitely not perfect. But feeling that scarcity mindset, I'm like, okay, that can't. I can't stay that. I can't be that type of mindset and then run a successful a successful business. Um, yeah. So I had to grow in that, for sure. Sure.
0: All right you you kind of you kind of mentioned this quickly, and I'm going to ask you to give a little more info. You you mentioned your faith. You yeah. mentioned you've done Christian missions. Uh, my guess is, is that you had, had, had a faith and belief through all this process through struggle. And then you mentioned a scarcity mindset and you just said, this is the sentence you used. You gave it over to God. There are people that are listening, Evan, that are in the midst of some form of a struggle, whatever it may be. I mean, we, we, we have that in society and all that. I'm going to ask you to share a little bit more about giving it over to God. And I I know we have listeners that may may have belief and followers of Christ. We have them that aren't. They might be listening to this for business. But to me, this is a critical key for anyone, regardless of background, faith, belief, is how to give something over like you're talking about. Talk a little bit more about that.
1: Yeah, and I think it's helpful – to understand the worldview that I'd kind of come from in that I had spent time in Thailand for a couple months and was doing like basically joining with local nonprofits to do work there to support them and I had seen people lines of street people in the street I'm talking like all the way down like as far as I could see people on the street homeless many of whom were so sick Um, that this, the odor was overwhelming and this is near like a really big mall. Like we were like going to go to the mall. We were like, Oh cool, whatever. Like we got a Saturday off or like, we're just going to like go get, I don't, I don't even know where we're doing. So we're like going to go to the mall and I'm not kidding you. uh, The smell was, it was overwhelming. And I remember walking by a guy and his skin and not to be too graphic, but like his skin had really rotted off. Like most, most of it had, you could see into his like body. I didn't know if he was alive and you couldn't even like his eye was gone it was just super graphic i almost passed out and obviously i mean not what was me in that moment but i had to grab my friend on the shoulder to like support myself um and so i come from this context of like hey if you believe in god everything's gonna be fine i i mean everything's not just fine you know there's people who die from lack of you know medical care and um, nutrition and clean water. So like, I'm very aware that this is not a, um, Hey, everything's just going to be fine because you know, God, like, um, that is not how I'm viewing the whole thing. Um, I think when I say that is I have to, it's almost like an internal, external locus of control. It's like, all right, I can control some things, but I can't control everything. And I look at that and I go, you know what? i um, I going to do the very best I can with the things that are, are in my control. And there is no sense in worrying about the things that are outside my control. And ultimately, if I believe, uh, if like my personal faith belief is that, you know, Jesus died for me and then rose from the dead, but he was willing to actually die for me so I could be connected back to him. Um, if I believe that's true, God valued me enough to do that. So if I'm gonna, if, if he really is God, I'm able to let those the things that I can't control go uh, to him. And that doesn't happen instantaneously. It's not like a, just a decision, but it does start with a decision. Um, and it does take a while, I think, to, to do that. And there's occasionally times like with this, um, you know, different seasons of life that you have to renew that belief and trust.
0: Yeah, that's good. I do think that's, that's great what you brought up. And you've obviously done missions with YWAM and you've traveled. I think that especially people that are believers, they call themselves followers of Christ or Christians, we kind of get trapped into this first world. Christian church mindset yeah and you know I spent some time with what we what we call prosperity you know gospel churches which they've like like most movements there's good things bad things about it Mm -hmm. and there's this mindset that I'm being blessed if everything's going great and and if you've traveled my guess is is you've seen that we're in a fallen world we're in a tough world right absolutely and so that's good. I appreciate you, appreciate you sharing that and, and kind of how it led you to, to who you are. You also, kind of on your, it might have been on your LinkedIn profile, you mentioned that you have some marketing positions, I call it in church world, mm-hmm. with what I, if I'm reading correctly, there's some of the fastest growing churches uh, in, the, um, in definitely North America right now. Mm-hmm. What is it like? You know, we we talk business. We talk, you know, we talk church world and all. Yeah. Same principles apply. Is it different? You know, there are a lot of people in church world. I, I use church world, but that think, you know what? We're just doing God's work and, and we'll be blessed. Mm-hmm. We don't need marketing.
1: Right. Well, I will say uh, one of the ones that I, I love, uh, I was literally coming out of diapers when they were starting the church. Um, for the other one, I was probably a little bit older than that. But there was so much work on the, the first 10 years that I was never a part of, or for the first 20 years, that Evan had no contribution at, at all whatsoever. So I look at that and like there was a faithfulness there um to do the best they could. Um and there was obviously people that were super smart and could figure out stuff without me. So as I say this, this is so more so of what I've learned. Um and less of like, hey, here's what I've done to be successful in this area. So it is exceptionally key, especially to small churches um, and medium-sized nonprofits, whichever, if they look at marketing and they kind of throw their hands up and go, mm, that doesn't really matter. We're only here to serve X. We're either here to serve the homeless. We're here to serve the underprivileged. Uh, we're here to s- serve our local church, whatever that may be. And they just throw marketing in the wind. They go, you know what? Nope, not having it. Truth be told. If you look through the Bible marketing happens now, it's not a billboard. It's not a social media ad. Um, but if you remember back to that three step, those three phases that I was talking about, it's brand awareness, consideration, and conversion. Those same thing. I mean, the conversion word is really appropriate in the church world, I guess, but, uh, maybe it's not the right use of it, but, um, they immediately become aware. So like, let's take the church, um, in acts, right. You've got these guys, uh, they, you know, have, apparently spent time with Jesus for like 40 days. He just rose from the dead. All of a sudden they have this like spiritual experience and they get the quote, you know, the Holy Spirit. Um, And so now they go out and they start telling people about all this. Well, that, in that moment, that's brand awareness. That is people becoming aware that they actually exist, that this faith exists. If they never heard about it, they could never believe. And so it's this first stage of like, brand awareness. Now I'm not there. I don't, this is my, my just imagination, but some of those people thought, you know what? That's really interesting. I don't know if I'm quite there yet. I don't want to buy into that, but they become aware of the message. And then later on, they follow up with, you know, those early disciples and they go, Hey, so tell me more about that. Huh? And then they're in that consideration phase. They're thinking about it, you know, tell me more and they start hanging out with them spending some time with them. Um, and then maybe eventually they decide, you know what, this is, I'm going to buy into this. Um, I think the conversions, phase or that wording right here. It feels a little weird, Uh, but they buy into that belief. They go, you know what? I'm, I'm in, you know, that sounds legit for me. And the same goes for other nonprofits. If you are trying to get donations um, or if you're trying to find people to serve, they have to be aware of you. Uh, You need to educate them what success looks like, if that's them donating to your nonprofit. And then ultimately it's about converting them to actually do that.
0: Yeah, I actually think the word conversion is a great word there. <laughs> That's yeah. really it's almost like too
1: appropriate, I guess.
0: It's it's really really a you know conversion, transformation, convert. You know, it's like wow, mm-hmm. that that actually is a really good word for there. Mm-hmm. So yeah, anyway, yeah, and I I, I agree with you. you know one of the things we have you know we have a number of people of faith on on the podcast. I think it's, you know, I spent time at Bible school and I consider myself in ministry. I was actually saved at a business conference. So that's cool. To me, they're all one. I don't separate out Mm -hmm. and I don't get the feeling that you do either. Listen, I'm sure you don't go barreling into a business and start passing out tracts and things like that. Hopefully, I hope, hope that's not the case. no, (laughs) Okay. Well, but but one of the things I like to ask people that obviously have a strong faith, they have a strong Mm -hmm. sense of excellence in the business world and community and 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 out in what I call the (laughs) ecclesia, which is the the actual world that we're in, which is the actual Mm -hmm. word for church in the New Testament, is I like to talk I like for people to to describe how they bring all of that together. Mm -hmm. You've mentioned missions you've mentioned your faith. We've talked about money. I mean, listen, we don't shy away of, you know, from making money here. We've talked about marketing, which is a, a funnel that grows, that brings more money into businesses. Or listen, there's a whole funnel in the church world of bringing in money as far as tithes, offerings, and givings that some don't like to talk about. Um, I always get frustrated with ministries that make it hard for people to give them money. But yeah. talk about how you, how Evan brings all those together in this one body that you are, spirit, soul, and body, to make it all work. Or is there any conflict? I mean, if you have conflict with that, is there any there? How do you do that?
1: It's, the word comes to mind is integration. So faith, work, integration seems kind of abstract to me, Um, but that's the word that comes to mind. And when I think of it, it's less of like a, hey, I need to uh, go tell these people about the story of Jesus. You know, that feels like churchy saying that, but um, it's less of like a, hey, I need to go do this or I need to go do this. For me, if I believe that Jesus is who says he is and I've been adopted in the family of God, I look at business as a, you know, a dad going to his son, if God views me as a son and goes, Hey, buddy, I got some stuff that I'm going to allow you to work on. How's that sound? And I'm like, Oh, awesome. I love it. And so it becomes a uh, bring your kid to work day uh, when I'm working on my business. Cause now I'm like, Okay, God, I don't, I don't do this perfectly, but it, this might sound just ridiculous to some people. And this is not how I make our businesses marketing strategy. Don't worry. But there is almost an element of playfulness to go, You know what, God, uh, like, what do you want to do today? Like, what do you want to work on? You know, like, let's just, work on whatever together, you know? Um, I think the thing that helps me is really understanding what matters a hundred years from now in business. As I look at client meetings, I look at, um, you you know, whether it be a podcast or whether it be a proposal, anything that could stress me out or make me nervous, whatever. All of it framed within the light of eternity and that being the thing that if I decide that's what matters to me, it becomes a lot less heavy and it becomes a lot less serious. And so when a client or a potential client is going, I don't know if we can spend that money right here. You know, I don't go, oh, it's gonna take away my money from my paycheck. I go, all right, well, let me think through their lens and have some empathy for them right now. What are they thinking about? Well, they're probably concerned about this, this and this. And then I think through, is that even the best thing for them right now? Most of the time it still is. And so, but it's my job as the quote salesperson in that moment to walk them over their own, like walk them through their own objections to get to the point where they're actually going to get the thing that they really need, which is those marketing services. Um, But it does add a, like a, it doesn't feel as heavy, you know, if if the whole faith thing is integrated, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, no, that's excellent. It just kind of relieves pressure. It's like a pressure valve. Yeah. And, you know, we're not really supposed to operate with anxiety. We're in a high stress, high anxiety world. Mm -hmm. And, I, and listen, I have a personality that I could go down that you know, road too. I like to achieve. I like to accomplish. And so that was really good. I think that's going to that's be a blessing to someone that's going to hear that. All right. I, I want to, I'm going to shift back a little bit to some marketing. Okay. Maybe do a little bit of teaching here as we, as we wrap up over the next few minutes. All right. Uh, let's, let's kind of pretend I'm a listener. I have a company. Small business, mom and pop, maybe a ministry, or maybe even just an idea. I don't know. Talk to us about the the easiest way to grow it. How do I grow it?
1: First, you need to start with assessing where you're actually at. Um, Like, what is one of my favorite things to do with new? you know, new partners or clients or whatever, is let's write everything down that's even remotely connected to marketing. So what is every single way that people currently hear about us? Not necessarily ideas, but like, what well, how do people currently hear about us? Is it the road sign? Is it somebody telling them with their word of mouth? Whatever. So you just write all those things down. And so as you do that, you are writing down all the ways that people become aware of your brand. That's the brand awareness category. So first off, assessing what is the situation of our brand awareness. The next one is the con, uh, consideration. So now you need to ask yourself, what ways are we educating our customers on how we're making their life better? This is where a lot of people don't have anything. Um, their website should educate customers on how to make their life, like how they make their lives better. Um, most websites don't do that. They, they might look pretty if they've got that going for them. Uh, but most of them are very unclear. It's a lot of text. They confuse a lot of people. Um, so I would take an honest look at what are we doing to educate our customer? Do we have a free PDF that they could download? Um, do, are we going to run Facebook retargeting ads? Um, are we going, you know, the, what is the actual thing that we're doing to educate the customers? And most likely it's not much. And then the last one is conversion. Are we making it unnecessarily difficult for people to work with us? Are we being very clear in our calls to action? Do we make it very easy on our website? What do we want them to do? Do we make it very known? It's almost like, um, talk about story brand. Story brand talks about this all the time. It's like if you went into a department store and you didn't see a, a cash register, there was nowhere that looked like a checkout. That's how most business owners are with calls to action. It's like, you know what? No, you actually need to tell people where they can buy from you. It should be this big, bright, orange, red button on your website. Um, but most of the times it's, you know, we're hiding, we're afraid to ask apologetically. Oh, if you you want to whatever it's like you know you going to a department store it's like well you got to go in the back and go to the third bathroom the fourth stall and then there's the cashier it's like that's weird like you got to find them um but if you should just be really direct and then calls to action so it's a first starts off with this assessment of what's their actual needs mm-hmm. do they need brand awareness is anyone aware of their brand um it, do they have you know, ways to follow up with potential customers. Do they have an email series that they can send Do they send monthly update emails to people who are possibly interested in working with them? And then is it really easy to actually work with them? And do you make it really simple? So most of the time I would say it's making that assessment and then fixing whatever holes that you see that you can do without spending a whole lot of money because, um, excuse me, Facebook ads is the easiest way to scale a company in my opinion right now. I think it's the far the easiest way and extremely profitable. The thing is, is if you don't understand what you actually need and you start doing Facebook ads and you don't know what you're doing, you're going to waste all of your money, like all of it. Um, And so it really starts with a needs assessment and understanding, okay, what do we actually have the problem at? Brand awareness, consideration, conversion.
0: Yeah, that's good. My guess is I do this and you probably have the same thing. You have people come to you all the time and say, hey, listen, we need to get better on social media. Can you help us with our Facebook?
1: It's not the right question, is it? No, it's uh, well, it's not because ultimately, if you know that fits in mainly. So, if you talk about posting on social media, that mainly fits in that consideration category. And the reason is, is because these are people who are interested enough in your company that they're going to follow you on social media, but they're not ready to actually buy from you or work with you. And so, your job is to educate them on how you're going to make their lives better. And so, that's by posting stuff on social media having a good presence on social media literally just looks like having aesthetics that look good on social media for your company but that's going to it's not going to skyrocket your business if you just create a social media and start posting on it
0: yeah this is something i hadn't I actually hadn't jotted this down but something you said triggered it what how do you distinguish or communicate to people the difference between tools and techniques and strategy. Because yeah. the question I just asked you is, hey, I need, to, I need to get more on Facebook. What can you do on Facebook? But mm-hmm. yet you've talked about strategy. How, how do you distinguish those two? Because my guess is, is, like I do, you do, you have a lot of people that they think tools instead of strategy. How do you distinguish right. the difference? And then how do you move them towards strategy?
1: I think theory is the thing that makes brands successful. Understanding marketing theory, it might seem abstract at times. It might seem like the hard work. It's probably like meditation. Like I, I, There's so many health benefits meditation, but you never really know if it's working. You know, you're like just sitting here not thinking about anything it feels like. So the heady stuff that is actually just like theory, I would say that that's mainly strategy. Outlining what you're going to do or what you're currently doing, strategy. The actual platform or tools that you're using, um, that I mean, obviously that's the tools. I think the reason why we're so drawn to tools as entrepreneurs and business owners and business leaders is that we want a plug and play solution. We want to pay somebody money or something money and we want to get a result and we just hope it works. And so people will waste money on ads just hoping it will work. But if you don't understand the theories behind all that, and this is why you know you should work with somebody who knows what they're doing, um, you're going to waste a lot of money. So it's like you have to understand theory, and then you got to know what tools to use. It's not just you know be good at tools. It's theory and tools.
0: Yeah, one of the things that's really good, and my I I, I suspect that's what you bring to the table. You bring that theory to the table when you when you work with it's a thought process, it's a mentality,
1: mm-hmm. and
0: uh, it's really good because I, I I agree with the entrepreneurs, business people, leaders. Many times they're looking for a simple silver bullet you know, magic pill, whatever, red pill, blue pill solution. Right. And it it may be that, but there's some complexity to arriving at that. So yeah. uh, Caffeine Labs is very intriguing to me because I love the education. And like you just talked about the theory, tell us about Caffeine Labs.
1: Caffeine Labs is the next step in helping entrepreneurs and business owners to grow their company in having done marketing for over a hundred different business leaders, I've realized that marketing does not solve all their issues. And most of the time that we create marketing for people, let's say that they're every dollar they're spending with us or on ads or whatever is getting like a, every dollar, they're getting $5 in return or something like that. If they actually had the right business insist like business systems in place, they'd probably be making like $10 for every dollar they spent. Um, if they, so the Caffeine Labs is broken down. So Caffeine Labs is the education arm of Caffeine. I'm talking specifically about our Business Mastery course, and in the Business Mastery course, we break down leadership, uh, your business, and yourself. And within business, it's marketing, you know, systems, processes, all of that nerdy stuff. Um, but self is where we start because ultimately, I see so many entrepreneurs who have that scarcity mindset like we talked about or another mindset or they don't take care of their, their health, they don't take care of their nutrition or their sleep, all these things that are costing their business and but yet they don't address those. Um, and so I remember being, one of my clients uh, is, is a Harvard grad and the company's doing over $2 million in revenue, uh, probably, I mean, some absurd number of margin. Um, I mean, I imagine they've got, I know they have 50% margin on their products. So let's just put that in perspective. So he's doing fine. Um, As we looked at all that and we looked at the conversion rate on his e-commerce website, it was like add to cart was like 3%, which is about half of what it should be. Conversion rate was dismal. And so conversion rate of actually people buying the product. And so we looked at that and I'm like, hey, I know you want to do all these little things right here. I said, honestly, what we need to do is we need to like build a new Shopify site. We need to move over from this platform to over here. I know this is going to sound like a, absurd thing to you but I really want you to be successful you're gonna if you just increase your on-site conversions all the Facebook ads and the social media stuff we're doing for you is gonna it's gonna skyrocket your business but you're hemorrhaging you're like running a marathon on one good leg right here you need two good legs to run a marathon but here's the thing that got him up it wasn't uh, not having enough money it wasn't um, not having the right strategy we had all that we had all that in place he had a scarcity mindset and I said, Hey, what's going to cost? It's probably gonna be around 20, like 20 grand or so. And he was like, I could never do that. I could never spend that money. Well, that thing right there, that mentality is going to be the thing that ultimately is his demise. It's ultimately going to things that are going to like keep him from being really successful. Is that, Oh, I can't possibly spit, like spend that money. Um, So caffeine labs educates business owners on all, all leadership business um, because leadership business itself so that they can actually get the company they really wanted because I I was able to blueprint out exactly what I've done and uh, other the same strategies that people like Jeff Bezos use in order to hyper optimize like to the one percent of every area of their life and business. So that's the business mastery course from Caffeine Labs.
0: Yeah, that's, that's good. You know, one thing you mentioned brought me back to a book I read probably in the early 90s. So I'm dating myself, <clears throat> but it was by John Maxwell and it basically, spelled out there and he he had a lot of great stuff but he talked about the law of the lid he said the organization can only grow to the point of the leader and the leader is that lid and and the organization is going to and it sounds like you guys are working on that because there's all kind of strategies techniques you can do but
1: it can still bump up against that leadership right absolutely it's crazy i mean you even just the some simple difference between delegation and empowerment if you have somebody who only delegates, if they do delegate at all, right? So like, let's, we have the control freaks, have to do everything, have to be involved in everything. Then you've got people who delegate um, and they just tell everybody what to do, but they are ultimately the, the pass through entity. Like they have to, everything has to come through them and that becomes the bottleneck. So you've got somebody who has to have hold everything. You've got somebody who's the bottleneck. And then the aspirational identity that we should all want to be as leaders is somebody who empowers other people to make decisions. And how you do that, I've, I've blueprinted that out in the course, but um, if you don't do that, you are essentially capping off your growth as a company because at some point, you're not going to be able to, to actually manage 300 people you know, while you have to make every decision for them.
0: Sure. A couple questions just to kind of wrap up here. Who's your ideal client? I mean, who, who's a person that would be like, man, this is who we love to work with?
1: Yeah, it's a small business owner doing less than $25 um, million dollars a year in revenue. Um, if Generally, anyone in that B2B, B2C space who is looking to grow their company, they've had some success um, to get to the point where they're at today. Uh, grit and hard work got them there, but they can't seem to, to go to the next level. Um, that's our ideal client, is that they are already profitable um, at some level. Uh, maybe they're not as profitable as they want to be. We can help with that. Um, but yeah, they are... They they got to where they're at today through the grit and hard work, but they ultimately need great marketing to get them the company they've been dreaming of.
0: Yeah, it's important for businesses and organizations to identify that ideal client, isn't it?
1: Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I <laughs> there's a handful of like uh, job titles or industries that I'm like, no, no, I don't want to stereotype you, but like, I just don't work with like X X Y Z, you know, like none of these people sure. from my experience. So yeah, that's
0: good. How can people connect with you, Evan? We'll include some things in the notes for this episode, but go ahead and tell us how they can connect with you, get more information, interact with you. How would they do that?
1: Yeah, uh, I think the easiest one is going to be my website. Um, it's going to have links to Caffeine Labs and Caffeine Marketing. Um, so evan, evan, Knox, um, com, And you can always go to com if you want to work with my company. Um, but I'd love to connect with you. My Instagram stuff will be on there as well.
0: Okay, excellent. Couple, couple wrap up questions. What is next for Evan? Even either you know, in the next few minutes or the next thirty years, what's next for you?
1: Right now, uh, I'm in this unique position where I'm part of this. I call us a micro private equity group because um, I'm like, y'all, we're not like a real private equity group because we're going to sell to a real private equity group. That's the goal. Um, So I joke around with that, but we're, we're doing a lot of stuff. So I'm really excited about that. But I, that's what I think of for the next like three years or so. Um, but when I think five, 10 years from now, I'd love to be in a place where we don't have to work. Um, we don't need any of that stuff. We're totally taken care of financially and I could just travel and work with nonprofits that I just want to. I just think that'd be fun for my family to go do whatever, um, and help people whenever they want to maybe live
0: in an rv maybe travel live in an rv <laughs>
1: i'm not kidding you i look at airstreams like every quarter i'm like oh, i'm gonna buy one babe and she's like i'm not living in airstream and i'm like okay all right
0: fine <laughs> well i'll be i'll be routing i think we're heading east to visit some family in the atlanta area okay. in the next few months i'll make sure i connect and and Absolutely. maybe if your wife looks at our 39 foot that we gutted and converted maybe she'll go ooh. Or maybe she
1: won't. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I hope she does, honestly. I've been, I've been thinking about this for years. So maybe we can get her to, to convert. This is a brand awareness consideration. She's in the consideration phase. We you know need what, her I'll, to convert.
0: Maybe we'll work on all of, our, all of our steps here, consideration and all that. We'll, we'll work on that prior to that. So I'll, mm-hmm. I'll keep you updated. Hey, Evan, the, the title of the podcast, Seek, Go, Create, three words. They mean a lot to us. We've shared what they are. But which one of those words jumps out at you and why as we wrap up?
1: Create is definitely the one that actually stands out because it feels like the one that there's the most internal resistance towards, maybe for me, Uh, seeking ideas, you know, seeking like opportunities, all that stuff feels easy. Um, Go, I feel like I'm very action-oriented. But as I think of like the mass population, what we often struggle with is like in that paralysis moment of like, I'm either too tired, too run down uh, or just I'm worried about some other stuff going on. So create stands out as the thing to me that is like so important that we actually need to, um, put pen to paper and make it happen.
0: Evan, thank you so much for being on the Seat Go Create podcast. I, I knew I would enjoy this. I enjoyed it more than I even thought. I have a feeling that you and I will be connecting again in the future. I'm kind of excited about that. And I really appreciate you, all that you're doing, all that you're doing in so many areas, definitely business being one, but also in many other areas. Thank you. Thank you for being on the podcast. I think everyone knows by now that I am a coach for business owners, executives, and leaders. And let me just tell you what I really love doing. I love doing this podcast, but I really love getting on the line with people, getting on the phone, getting on a video call, and just helping people, organizations become all that they were designed and created to be. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to give away... Some free coaching calls every month and hopefully speak to you about your business, your ministry, your leadership role, or help you brainstorm new ideas, pivot your business, make some changes, do whatever we need to do to help it move to the level that you want it to go to. So, I'm going to give away three free coaching calls per month. And here's all you have to do all you need to do is send an email to connect at timwinders.com. That's connect at timwinders.com and just i'm going to spell it out here timwinders timwinder com. that's pretty cool i'm able to spell my name that's exactly my name connect to timwinders.com and in the subject line all you need to say is something like i want a coaching call with tim my team will attempt to get it on the schedule i'm gonna uh, i'm gonna most likely do three each month if i could get more in i will but they will probably take the first three every month, get it on the schedule, reach out to you, and then they'll, uh, they'll just schedule a 30-minute Zoom video call. They may also reach out and get some questions from you about your business and some of the things you want to discuss and talk about. And we will just get online and, and we'll have fun with it. Again, I love doing this. It's what I believe I'm called to do. And so I will look forward to hearing from you and getting those emails so that we can get online and help you and your business. I look forward to hearing from you and I look forward to us getting on a coaching call together. And I want to thank all of you for listening. This has been a great episode. If you have enjoyed it, definitely rate it, share it, and and just let people know about it. And we look forward to speaking to you again on the Seek Go Create podcast.